This is episode seven with Dominic Arias, who overcame trauma and the challenges around COVID to turn a candle making hobby into a thriving wellness business, all while continuing to work a full-time office job. Welcome to the Wild Ones with Cam Miller podcast. I'm your host, Cam Miller, and I'm a coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and founder of what has twice been the UK Babywear brand of the year. For the last few years, I've been supporting people around the globe to reconnect with the wild innate strength within themselves so that they can rapidly realize their goals and build incredible lives. The purpose of the Wild Ones podcast is to connect those creating wild, free, incredible lives and to share the knowledge, tools and skills we need to spend more of our time doing the things we love with the people we love when we like. If you're inspired by this podcast episode, Subscribe to the podcast and head over to cam-miller.com where you can check out and sign up for my free weekly growth guide email. It works hand in hand with the podcast to provide you with a steady stream of motivation, knowledge and practices to fuel and guide your own wild, free, incredible journey through life. In this episode, I'm talking with Dominic Arias. The trauma of finding a stranger who committed suicide led Dominic to start living life to the fullest and turn her candle-making hobby into Essentia's Australia, a wellness brand focused on packages that help people to create space for healing, rest and growth in their busy days and lives. If you want to learn how to find purpose in your trauma or your trials, if you want to learn some huge shortcuts that will enable you to start a business while working full time, or if you want to learn how to create a thriving brand, then this episode is for you. So welcome, Dominique. Thanks for having me, Cam. It's really great to have this experience and be on. I'm really excited. Yeah, and it was wonderful to have you on the show. So, look, I'd like to kick off with you know, just walking through a little bit of the early part of your career journey because I've noticed you've made a few different career changes and switches along the way. And so you began with a Bachelor of Health um, and Physical Education. What, what led you into that in the, in the first place? I think every like high school student thinks they know what they want to do when they're 17 or 16, 17. And I guess like I was really heavily into my fitness and I was doing little athletics and I was perform, you know, performing really well in that field. And that sort of just felt like a really good fit. Funnily enough, you know, I did I've completed the four years, but I got quite sick when I was about 19. And when I came out of that, I just realized that it wasn't what I wanted with my, for my life. So that sort of even though I, I did my uni degree, I, I didn't actually ever go into the field. And that was just my life sort of took a bit of a turn when I got quite sick. And I think when you have big experiences like that, it sort of, yeah. it, it, it almost shocks you into going, oh, is this what I want for my life? So, yeah. And then I, I literally just worked retail jobs for a few years, did a bit of sales, um, managed a couple of stores. And just sort of floated around a bit. I did a bit of bar work, worked on the door at a couple of cool clubs and just sort of did whatever felt right and, and fitted at the time until I got my job at Watercorp and I've sort of been there for the last, I think, seven or eight years. 
Yeah, I got you. So I think I think that's a kind of similarity I've heard a few, a few different people have been on the podcast in terms of university degrees that, you know, often the penny drops, you know, even quite early on in the experience. But then I think people feel it's it's important to have a qualification under your belt. And so a lot of people continue with that experience, but end up doing something quite different afterwards or, or soon afterwards. And so this was over a period, was it between 2006 and 2013, you kind of explored a number um, of different roles. And I guess through that experience, you probably uh, learned a lot about yourself in terms of the things that you liked and the things that you didn't like. So what, what eventually then led you to take up the role at the Water Corporation? I guess, like I first say, I feel quite blessed that I've had that experience like early on because I know a lot of people sort of get in their 30s or 40s and go, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they have these massive career changes like later in life. So I feel really blessed that I was able to have that early on. I think like I always realized that I love working with people, but the last retail job I did, I just didn't really vibe with my managers and I just was feeling the pressure and the pinch to overperform beyond what I was able to do at that time and yeah. then my my mother-in-law at the time actually said there was a few jobs coming up at Watercorp and, and got me an entry-level job and it wasn't it wasn't really for anything it just felt like a good fit at the time like a good sort of segue out of you know retail and and you know real customer facing work more into an office environment gotcha mm. yeah and how did, how did you find the the move into a, an office environment versus oh. uh, the different sort of store <laughs> management on the floor, etc. Oh, liberating to be honest, because you've just had yeah. your, you know, your hours, and yeah, it was it was a completely different shift. I mean, working face like face to face with customers is it can be quite exhausting. You know, I was working Saturdays, and you know, you'd start to switch off on Saturday afternoon. Everyone else is like enjoying their weekend, and you're just you know, you're just starting to slow down. And it, I found the connections that I had outside of work suffered as well because I just didn't have the time or space to want to contact or, you know, catch up with people in my circle. So being in an office environment just sort of took that pressure of having to be on all the time face-to-face away and allowed me to sort of just, you know, figure out what I liked in life and, and yeah, you know, you. have those connections, have like a bit of a normal weekend and yeah and sorry <laughs> go no 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 yeah makes makes sense because I guess you know a large majority of people are working a nine to five you know during the working week and so in terms of their socializing activities it's in the evenings after work or on the weekends and if you're constantly either working evenings or working weekends then it can can get pretty hard to schedule consistent you know, interactions with a lot of friends and family around that. Yeah. So, no, I totally get it uh, and the value of uh, connection as well. So you started off at an entry-level role in the Water Corp, obviously an important organisation in Perth, Western Australia. We're a pretty uh, dry <laughs> city, <laughs> Perth. So yeah. I know you guys are doing lots of great projects like desalination, which I did read the other day is, you know, almost, I think, 43% or something of uh, purse water supply mm-hmm. uh, because perhaps climate change and global warming, we're getting less and less rainfall and the dams are getting yeah. less full, so we need more and more desalination. So you started off in an entry-level world. Was it in billing, was it? Yeah, so 
I actually started in more like of a temping role. So it was more just data entry, really boring, to be honest. But And then I secured a permanent position in special agreement billing. And that was that was really cool because it was a brand new role and it was kind of like a little bit of a project role where I was able to consolidate like statewide billing into more of a centralised system. But that really soon got boring as soon as the the project aspect of it and, and you know, normal processes and, and day-to-day came in. So I then went into more of a leadership role, managed a small team and a project at the same time. And then I, I got a couple of really cool roles out in the, at the leadable office. I worked with Waterwise Cities for about two years and now I work in demand management. So, yeah, the roles that I'm doing now are really sort of their customer for like it's very customer focused, and I have a small portfolio that I manage. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's it's it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, what what does what does demand management mean in in terms of how it's put at, at the water corporation? So we, the team in general, look at what like how we can improve water efficiency across across the state. So. I manage a portfolio of customers that um, have water efficiency management plans. So they're larger customers that use over 20,000 kilolitres um, per annum. And we just work with sure. them to ensure that they're reducing water use and increasing water efficiency. So, yeah. Yeah, got you. Because I guess with a lot of you know, normal non-governmental for, for-profit organisations, demand management is always managing the demand upwards yeah. <laughs> versus can be a little bit different in terms of a scarce resource like water. Well, obviously, individuals, but as, as you mentioned, particularly large users, you guys are assisting them to use less water as, a, as they go, which obviously very important for the environment. Yes, <laughs> most definitely. So you, you're now kind of a senior advisor in that area. What's the, uh, what have been some of the key learnings, I guess, from now your corporate career, which is now seven years, is it, with the Water Corporation? I think just over, yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to go back and check. Probably close <laughs> to eight. <laughs> I yeah, think, in, yeah, go. probably uh, October will be eight years. Key learnings. I guess, like, engagement with, like, stakeholders I mean the, the role that I was doing with Waterwise Cities that sort of really required me to connect and engage with like senior seniors beyond my role so like managers GMs and and I guess like one big thing that I learned and so I guess like a lot of my retail experience helped me with this is that yeah um learning that everyone is just a person and and if you know how to you know change your language or your body language or just how you interact with certain people you can literally interact with anybody without any sort of fear or like what's the word resistance I guess so I've definitely learned that like I, I deal with a lot of external customers who will be like you know, CEOs or whatnot. And it's, I think that's my biggest learning is that just learning how to, I guess, change your, your way of interacting with people based on, on the level, but then also not being intimidated by that at all. Yeah, got you. I guess, uh, as you said, in sales and things like that, you, 
Yeah, so often a, a high confidence sort of role and or you kind of got to develop that anyway just through practice in terms of speaking to lots of different people where sometimes in different corporate roles, as you mentioned, kind of data entry and things like that, it can be can be hard to remember that you, you're really in the business of serving people one one way or the other and, yeah. and you know, working with people within your organisation. So, you know, hence the kind of saying that business is is all about relationships or your your net worth is, you know, proportional to your network, et cetera, that it's really the quality of these relationships within your work that enable you to do great work and then to serve, I guess, your customers really well as well. So no, I really, I really like the insight. And so seven or eight years in corporate, at what point was it before then or during then, did you get kind of the inclination that you might want to go into entrepreneurship or what led you uh, into entrepreneurship? I think I've always had a real very creative side so being in front of a computer in office it will never be my full purpose and my it will never serve me 100% so I guess there's been this deep knowing within me that I need to be creative and I need to be doing something that enables me to give back and fully allow me to experience life from from within and I I guess like it, it really started about probably six years ago and you know, I, I was burning heaps and heaps of candles around my house all the time. I was spending so much money burning candles. And I was out in Guildford at some antique stores and bought this amazing crystal bowl. Yeah. And I thought, like, let's fill that with wax and see what happens. And um, <laughs> I, I didn't fill it at first. I actually had someone fill it for me. And and then I, you know, did a bit of research, did some online training and thought I could do this myself and started pouring candles and it really, at that point, was nothing more than something that I could do for myself. But yeah. I think it just evolved very slowly into something that I could give back to other people. And I loved the crystal at the time because it was this, there was a different energy around it. There was, and especially like antique or secondhand, there was this different sort of story and energy behind every single piece that I would pour. Yeah, um, gotcha. So it just started as, as a bit of a hobby, but that was sort of the turning point where I went, oh, I could, I could do this and this is kind of creative and then it slowly evolved over time. Yeah, gotcha. And so that was as it mentioned about sort of six years ago or so. At what point did the kind of journey start changing from hobby into you thinking, well, actually maybe, maybe I could turn this into a, a business? Um. I think so. I think for me, I like really understood that the market was quite flooded in terms of candles. Like a candle mm-hmm. is a candle, right? And yeah, and that's that's the reality. And so many people are pouring candles. I think the kicker for me, the moment that I went, I could do this as a business, was when I realized that I had a product that was a little bit more bespoke and special. And that that moment came like from my own struggles. I've had pretty full-on two years, a lot of growth and learning, a lot of personal things happened in my life. And there was a particular moment where I just was grappling so hard with some big changes in my life and felt really torn at a crossroad. And yeah, I guess that moment and, and what I did in that moment helped me to sort of create a new product, which was all about 
finding connection. And then at the moment that I realized that my brand wasn't about candles it, and it was about connection and creating space and really sort of coming inward, that was the moment that I went, oh, this can be something bigger than just a hobby. Yeah, nice. So are you able to elaborate a little bit on some of the, the personal challenges that you face leading up to that point? Yeah, definitely. It gets a bit it gets a bit deep, but I'm happy to go into it for sure. <laughs> no, let's um, let's go deep as as deep as, as you're happy to go. Yeah, of course. About two years ago, I was walking my dog, and I actually it was really early in the morning, and I actually found a girl who committed suicide. So I found wow. her. Yeah, she hung herself. I get a little bit. I'm not yeah. emotional. Like I've, I've worked through it, but it does you know it does um, trigger a bit of that heart center. Can only imagine. Yeah. And I think before that, and I have so much gratitude for that moment now, you know, there's gratitude in the fact that I found her, her parents didn't find her, you know, there was no children that found her. Like, you know, I, I was weak in that moment, but I had the strength to be able to come through that. So I've got so much gratitude for the fact that it was, it was me and not someone else. And then I've also got so much gratitude for the fact that that moment literally it was like a slap in the face from the universe to say you are walking around literally on autopilot and you are not living your life and it's time to wake up and it's time to do something about that. And don't get me wrong, the struggle that came post finding her was a long like, you know, six-month struggle of therapy and healing and and just, you know, self-discovery and learning about you know, how to unpack trauma and, and it it wasn't easy, but, you know, I faced it like front on and I, I was really like aware and and wanting to sort of work through that as quickly and as efficiently as possible. So I did that. I think that my logical brain kicked in really quickly um, and allowed the emotional side to really just sort of ground and center as, as quickly as possible. And I guess from that moment, it was just like a bit of a domino effect, things that I wasn't feeling, you know, I, like I said, I felt like I was walking on autopilot, almost like numb, yep. a little bit like a zombie, I guess. So, you know, after that happened and I went through my healing and I sort of came out the other side of it, released a bit of that trauma, and then I felt everything. So yeah, it was like this other, other extreme from feeling nothing to just feeling everything. And I think at that point, it was where I was sort of starting to question my life. Like, am I happy in my relationship? Am I happy in um, my work? Am I happy just, you know, going nine to five, living a life with no purpose? Or is it time to shift that? And and I guess I did like a heap of healing. I've worked with a healer for the last 10 years and it it just helped me to sort of realign and and get a bit more clarity. Yeah, I got you. So that's that's interesting that you've, You've been working with a healer for that amount of time. What kind of, what kind of encouraged you to reach out to somebody for support and help in, the, in your kind of more personal area? Because I know from experience, a lot of people, often because of, you know, ego and, you know, they feel that it, it, it shows a sign of weakness or something to reach out for help from other people they resist uh, doing that. So what kind of encouraged you uh, to find that support? Initially, I go back like 10 years when I originally connected with the healer that, I, that I've worked with for that amount of time, was a friend of mine who I respect and trust with 
all my heart. And she sort of mentioned, you know, I was going through a bit of a struggle at the time in my 20s. It was a long time ago. And <laughs> she sort of said, like, I've just seen this woman and she's amazing. And she's, I just felt so, so good after. And, and I just, I'm very perceptive. If, if I, if someone shares something with me and I feel yep. it fit, I'm onto it straight away. So messaged yeah, her and then just started doing um, regular sessions. Yeah, nice. And so around the, the trauma that you experienced, did you, did you get additional help then? You, you mentioned therapy in terms of psychiatry or any, anything like that as well? Yeah, so I actually connected with an amazing psychologist. She was, I don't know if you've ever seen a psychologist before. I haven't, but I'm interested too. <laughs> yeah, she, and she served only a purpose for a very short period of time. I only saw her for mm-hmm. about three months and then I went, hundred percent back into the healing because that's what resonates yeah. more with me. But she she was a bit quirky, you know, and and what why I felt so comfortable with her is that told her what I'd been through. And yep. she she got on the computer and she showed me like this is trauma. And she actually showed me a video of a polar bear releasing trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and she and she explained to me that as humans we don't release trauma immediately. Animals have this like instinctual um, ability to go through trauma yeah. and then understand that they need to release it to then be able to function properly yeah, as, gotcha. as humans we we don't so we actually just keep pushing it down um, yeah, until we're like so full that we just we have anxiety we get depression yeah. we have panic attacks because we just don't we, we're conditioned to not deal with it you'll be right you know you'll be fine yeah. that sort of language and her showing me that video in that very first session you know, I've got a really analytical brain, just went, okay, yeah. that's it. That's where I need to get to. I need to have that release to be yeah. able to move forward in my life. So, yeah, yeah I that's just connected powerful. and vibed with her so quickly, yeah. I like the, uh, it reminds me of an analogy. I think it's, they say that zebras don't get stomach ulcers <laughs> because <laughs> stomach ulcers are, you know, often caused by stress or trauma or things, yep. you know, negative emotions that we're holding in with, uh, within ourselves. And they say that zebras, you know, they film this, you know, maybe it's a David Attenborough or something like that in, <laughs> in Africa, but, you know, they'll be getting chased by a lion and almost, almost die, you know, a very stressful or traumatic event. And then 10 minutes later, they'll be frolicking in the water, playing with their friends, like, like nothing yeah. ever happened. And they say that, you know, that's that kind of animal ability you're talking about is their ability to turn stress on and off like uh, very easily and very quickly. But I, I find as well in our society, you know, that you know, when you say, well, it's, it's not a human trait, I, I, think it's, I think that's true, but I think it's also because we've kind of created this whole culture and society where, you know, we've got all of this constant social media and all of these different things which emails, et cetera, make it hard for us to de-stress and deconnect in the way that maybe an animal can do quite sort of quickly. So therefore, we tend to carry these things over longer periods of time. So I think, you know, our memory is probably a part of that as well. Yeah, I think as, as humans and just the way that we live in general, we live in a like a state of fight all the time, not, yep. uh, sorry, fight or flight. We're always there where, yep. you know, we get a bill and we freak out. <laughs> you know, like, you know, there's that. It's, we're always like, oh, we're always like on the edge of, yeah. I don't know if I can handle this. Whereas if we learn to just like slow everything down, yeah, and come back into that sort of more parasympathetic 
nervous system. Yeah, I, I just I think we're just conditioned to be more in a fight or flight mode all the time. You know, we're always yeah. in a rush. We're never stopping. We're just on the go, on the go, on the go. Exactly. We always feel panicked. I mean, I mean, look at Sunday. You know, people just don't they can't switch that off. They're just they're always in a panic. Yeah. Um, whereas animals don't have any of that conditioning, so it's quite beautiful actually. Yeah, and for those listening, we're here in Perth, Western Australia. Sunday was we went into a five day kind of emergency yeah, lockdown <laughs> because that's okay because of a case of uh, case of COVID, which fortunately, you know, now we're almost a, a week later, seems to have been a, a one off incident, so a precautionary measure. But you know, as we were discussing, you know, that was a, a state of high change for everybody, and so I think a lot of people, ourselves included, just felt unsettled uh, by that because you know you don't your whole week your whole schedule you're not going to work kids aren't going to school there's all of this change and it's a it's a good case in point to say well often you just feel a bit off you know a bit like you're lacking clarity a bit stressed a bit negative emotionally because there's so many things changing it's really hard to pinpoint what is causing those feelings so you're just feeling them and sometimes you know the analogy I like to use here is a bit like a uh, a muddy, a muddy pond. You know, in certain areas of life, there's things that you can change and fix kind of immediately. But sometimes, when there's a lot happening, it's like the, a muddy pond that's got stirred up. If you try get in there and you try unstir it, you know, or settle yeah. everything, you're just going to stir it up more in the process. And so, sometimes the best thing to do um, is just to create a bit of time and space, just to simply be or relax or whatever, or do something, a hobby, something like that, just to allow things to settle. And I think this is, you know, tying back to your, your brand and the candles yep. you make, everything that it ties a lot to creating space uh, and time in your life. So you're able to, to talk a little bit to that, you know, how the brand is, it's more than just candles, there's bar salts and crystals and that, but it's, it's about this experience that you're trying to create. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take you on the journey if you like. So yeah, yeah, let's um, do it. Like, let's let's talk about where it started. So I was just, you know, I, I'm very grounded now as a human, and I have my moments, but I'm full of awareness. But go back yeah. like a year and a half ago, I was just so caught up in my head all the time. So you know, I'd have a situation, and instead of just feeling into it and going, "How does it feel? Does it feel?" negative does it feel positive does it make me angry does it make me sad does it make me feel uneasy I would just get in my head and create a story about it without actually feeling what it was and there was one particular night I was you know facing a very big decision and I was panicked I was shaking you know I was in my head about it and I just thought no stop you don't have to you don't have to be in this hyper like hyper you know mode where you're just like thinking about it so much like you need to feel into it but um sometimes we can't just stop and feel we need to literally we need to like slow everything down so i Mm -hmm. poured a really warm bath filled it with salt lots of oils like essential oils um every single candle i just put as much like light in the in the bathroom that i could every single crystal in the bath around the bath wherever I could put them and I literally just soaked in that bath for an hour and I just let everything in me slow down like my mind slowed down to a point where I had complete calm and clarity and it was it was in that moment where I allowed myself to dull the senses to stop all the external noise all the judgment all the preconceived conditioning 
to yep. just go to fade away that I was able to really like tune in with myself and go, what is, what is the next step? And, yep. and just understand that I'm going to be okay in that moment. And yeah, I, I will admit like, that's not where it began in terms well, that's where it began, but that's not where it started. It was like eight, probably eight months after that or six months after that, where I went, I kept using those tools, you know, using yeah, that gotcha. bath, you know, using the salt and the oils and the candles and putting like really strong intention into every time I'd have those moments into what yeah, I needed gotcha. to achieve out of them that I thought I need to give this back to people. Like people need yeah. to understand that they can have this, they can have a moment where they, it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be some like crazy spiritual awakening or <laughs> big, big decision-making. It can be literally, I've had a really tough day and I, I'm not coping because I just feel overloaded and it can yeah. be just that, you know, f- 10 minutes or 15 minutes in the bath with some beautiful lavender and, you know, a bit of beautiful music, whatever, just to allow you the space to be able to have a nice sleep so you can face the day, yeah. you know, you know, better the next day better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, because of my connection with you and testing out some of your products, I think for me, it was actually Christmas Eve. I took the first bath I'd had in a uh, long time. I do shower, <laughs> so I should, I, should, I should mention. But the first bath I'd had in a long time, using your products, the salts, particularly crystal and the candle. And it was for me at a time where, you know, I think over the last few years, I've really managed sort of, you know, my propensity is a bit of a type A to work too hard, uh, to do too many things, to race around too much I've kind of been managing that very well but actually in launching this podcast required a lot of extra work and then I had trouble with a contractor that I was using to produce it and had to you know redo basically everything myself right around the launch so it was a stressful time for me because I was you know trying because I made some commitments to myself and to other people around the launch I had a lot more work to do than I normally did and so I was pretty, you know, coming into Christmas Eve, I was pretty, you know, tired and pretty stressed after that bit of a push. And it's often that time of year when you, a lot of people are a bit tired and a bit stressed yep. as well. But it, it was a really good break point. You know, it marked very clearly in my mind, all right, this is this end of this one to two month period where I've been pushing hard and stressing out a little bit. And I use kind of, you know, I think the, the word that comes to mind is tools or totems even yep. that you know okay. you can do all this just sort of mentally in your own head all right this is the end yeah but the more you create kind of an experience around it by you know setting the mood putting some music on putting the candles etc a warm bath where you're really sort of investing in yourself your mind your body etc creates this really nice break point where you can then, from that day forward, carry forward a different perspective and a new sort of lighter, you know, touch with life, I guess. So I've defi- definitely experienced it and found it uh, really valuable. And I find as well that, you know, having these things, whether it's around the house or something like that, they serve as good reminders as well yes. to redo these practices because you can do something once, that's great, but, you know, why not have this sort of release or create this space or this sense of presence, uh, et cetera, on a regular basis. Cause it's so, I really, it's so key to kind of, you know, our, both our performance and our enjoyment of life. 
Yeah, most definitely. And just hearing you talk about it and how it helps, like that for me just like warms my heart and just makes everything that I'm doing so worth it. Like if I can just get that sort of feedback from one person, then the journey was just, it was it was 100% worth it for me because that's all I want to do. I just want to help people like slow down and create a bit of space for themselves because we just we just forget. We don't think we deserve it sometimes, but we we definitely do. Yeah. No, I think I think forgetting is the you know, is the is the right term. We just get busy, we get stressed and we just you know, we all know there's all these different things we should do, but um in the busyness of it all, we often and all of the different responsibilities that we often have as well, we just forget to make that time for ourselves. So anything we can do to remind um ourselves, whether you know, writing down practices or you've got the different totems, the different uh, products, et cetera, that you're using, then it becomes, you know, kind of your ritual, doesn't it? Which I think makes it easier for the mind to remember these things. You know, it's a little bit like, you know, putting the shoes out the evening before, before you go for a run kind of thing. It it sounds like a silly little thing, but, you know, the science shows you're you're way more likely to go for that run in the morning if you wake up and your shoes are there uh, waiting for you to go. So it's a, it's a, it's a powerful, these are powerful tools. I guess really, as, as you're describing, for our own sort of personal growth journey, which is where, you know, this really started for you. And, you know, although you're sharing a product in many respects, you're sharing, you know, that growth with others. Yeah, I um, I like to like sort of explain it as like these those packs, those beautiful moment for you packs are like an extension of my own experience. So they're yeah. they're filled with love and and like good energy and vibes and intention. So and everyone that has experienced it so far that has sort of come back to me and said, oh, I just I can I can feel it like I and I'm definitely experiencing that. So I think when you create with like purpose and with intention. Mm-hmm. And and just generally with love and gratitude, I think that's when that comes through. Yeah, absolutely. And so with this this mission of of sharing that, creating this experience for others, obviously at some point decided you know that you needed to start a business to do that. Was it quite daunting considering you know you already had a full time role? Did you have doubts you know in terms of going into uh, entrepreneurship in the in the get go? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> And constantly throughout the whole journey, I still have yeah, doubts yeah. now. I think that's just normal. And I think if you're not doubting yourself and you're not, you know, you're not nervous and you're not a little bit scared and you don't, you're not, you're not passionate. Like you have yeah. to have those doubts because those doubts then fuel a bit of questioning and then they'll get you on that other, you know, the other side of it. I think it's when you allow the doubt, doubt to completely like turn into fear and then you completely hinder your progression. I think that's a bad thing. But, yeah. you know, I had heaps yeah. of doubts and, and I decided to do this during COVID, like when we were locked down or yep. isolated at home, <laughs> which was a blessing in, in, in some way, because I was, I was at home alone and yep. I had a lot of spare time on my hands. So I guess, you know, yeah, definitely a blessing and I've got so much gratitude for that, but yeah, that there was heaps of doubts. And, and I think for me, if I had done or tried to launch this business on my own, there's no way that I would have done it. Yep. Like I, I, I'm not good at everything. Like I'm good at the creating. I've got the vision. Yeah. I've got the yeah. the purpose and I know what I want to create and I want to give back to the world. But I can't do design and I can't do branding. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm not, you know, I can write good content, but I need someone to look over it because there's going yeah. to be a lot of stuff in there that needs to be fixed up. So I, 
I actually engaged with a, a old friend of mine who we really yeah, reconnected cool. and she has a beautiful um, business called Wild Brand and she actually helps entrepreneurs and businesses sort of get up and running and she offers a number of services. So I literally partnered with her and, you know, she does a lot of business coaching. So I'd call her and I'd be like, yeah. oh, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And she'd just, you know, talk me through it. And it was so nice to have that person on the journey with me to talk me, talk me through it, talk me out of the, you know, off the yep. cliff sometimes. And, and, and I think like my biggest advice to anyone like launching a business or starting a business is that don't, don't get to, you know, have the doubt, but just know when to channel it in the right direction. And the best thing I did yep. was partner with someone that could do all the things that I could do, realize that you can't do everything and, yep. and find the people and partner with the people that can, because that's the real sort of like beauty beauty is transformed yeah and I guess as a coach then she was also able to provide you know a good amount of I guess support and guidance as well because the entrepreneurial journey you know a lot of people do describe it particularly if you're finding founding a business uh, on your own can be you know reasonably lonely because you're doing you know there's a lot of work that you've got to do just to start a business I think I remember there's this video of uh, Steve Jobs actually when he he got kicked out of Apple you know after the business became quite successful, when he started up a new business called Next, and he was like, he's like, in the video, he's like, oh my God, I I've forgotten how hard work it is to start a business. You got to come, come up with the branding, you got to set up the accounting and the legals and all of this sort of stuff. And yeah, this is somebody that had done it before and created yeah. a really, really big business. So there is a lot of work. It is, can be an emotionally challenging journey. And so finding that support, as you said, right from the get-go is, is super key. And it just sounds like you, you already had an existing relationship with this person. And so it sounds like you worked out very early on that there was going to be a good fit between the two of you. Yeah, definitely. I've known Carmen for years, but it was, and she actually reached out to me probably about 12 months before I decided to actually yeah. embark on the journey uh, I wasn't ready yeah yeah <laughs> and, and she said she'd been following me and just you know she was just sort of waiting for me to to reach out to her yeah um, but from the first meeting that we had I just knew it was a good fit it just felt right I trusted her I trusted her opinion I, I appreciated the fact that she saw my vision and she was passionate about it you know she talked about when we we would meet and we would and I would sort of explain explain to her what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. She would talk about it as like a we journey rather than a yeah. like me and her. And yeah. I think for me, that that just made me feel like I had support and a partner in it, even though it was my business, it was my vision, but she was yeah. there. She was like my number one fan and she only wanted the best for what I was doing. And I think that, you know, that is sort of the difference between like a big corporation compared to like a bit of a, more of a boutique company where you have that sort of more one-on-one contact with the people that yeah. you're dealing with and everyone that she got me in contact with so like the guys that did my branding and the guys that did all my labels and the photographer like every yeah. person that she connected me with was a perfect fit so she knew what I needed what my yeah, brand was fantastic. and she connected me with the right people fantastic because you know one thing about entrepreneurship is that you know, as I described there's for a business there's lots of different functions there's the marketing branding, leadership, accounting, finance, all these sort of different things. So regardless of how you look at it, it's a, there's a lot of learning 
that needs to occur. And, you know, one of the shortcuts to learning has always been, you know, finding the right experts, mentors, guidance, etc. Because you can, you know, you can read all of the books you want on a lot of these areas, but a lot of the knowledge, particularly in entrepreneurship, is very practical nature. And a lot of that are kind of more sort of skills than theory or knowledge is best learned via other people. So it sounds like you're very fortunate to find that. And then what, what areas of the business you mentioned, website design, branding, social media, was it kind of full service on, I guess, all of those, the marketing and branding side of the business? Yeah. So the, like the journey with her started with just literally creating my brand so the Essentius Australia brand so there was a lot of yeah. conversation about that and then um, she connected me with a uh, graphic designer that did all the branding and that was probably for me the longest and most challenging part because yeah. that you know you sort of say this is what I this is my vision this is what I want it to look yeah. like and you'd get you get a design back and it wouldn't be quite what you thought and I remember thinking at one point oh am I being too fussy am I being too picky and yeah or, and, I, and I was really avoiding sort of having certain conversations. And then we sat down and I said, I don't really like this stuff. And she yeah. goes, I don't really like it either. It doesn't feel right. <laughs> and, and she showed me this other beautiful design because she could sort of feel that I wasn't liking what the initial yeah. branding was. Yeah. And I just went, yep, that's, that's it. Perfect. Like, let's work with that. So, and, and she sort of said to me, people don't understand that getting that brand right is the hardest part of yep branding because once you've got your brand once you've got your you know your your top tier branding where you know that and then everything else just flows from that so from there then she put me onto another graphic designer that did all my labels helped me create those beautiful boxes which I just love and they're just so special and then from there it was photography so I connected with an amazing photographer we did a beautiful photo shoot like connected with some beautiful models that just, you know, sung to the brand and just, you know, bring it to life in those photos. And, and then the website. So, yeah, and, and Carmen did most of the website design. And I just remember the first time I saw it and I was like, oh, this is, you know, like I just had that moment where my heart was just filled with joy because it was just exactly what I envisioned and the, the photos looked amazing and, yeah, it was just perfect. Yeah, and this is, it's really interesting actually that, you know, a lot of, People, when they're thinking of starting a business, it's about the idea and they start thinking through all of the different things that they need to do and how they're going to do them, et cetera. But, you know, what I'm hearing here, and it's also kind of a part of the, the framework that I coach too in terms of there's four key pillars. And one of them is, is people that often, you know, if you can find, think about the right partner and spend a lot of time thinking about that and finding the right person, you could just save so much time, energy, and money down yes. the road. Because in terms of the babyware business, the first startup I created, which is now a big, big and successful business, you know, we spent a lot of time in the first year or two, you know, working with finding our own contractors, working with people that were subpar. If there, if there was somebody that we could have connected with that had a lot of those connections already and could have we could have leveraged, I guess, the trust that they have in those people in, in bringing that aboard. It would have saved us so much time and it would have meant that, you know, we could have scaled up the business a lot more quickly, got to profitability quickly and probably as well avoided 
hard and challenging times is where, you know, we're trying to find more money because it's taking us so much time yeah. to learn all of these different things and find people that are good and, and make it make it all kind of work. So no, that sounds like sounds like a really great learning. And in terms of the branding, what what's the story behind the name Essentius? So Essentius is essence in Spanish, which yeah. um, so I've, I've, it's always it was Essentius candles back in the day when I was just doing doing this as a hobby, and I just wanted to hold on to that Essentius word because for me essence is like it, it just speaks to my brand, like yeah. you know essence senses, and I liked that it was a little bit sort of left of center. It's not a word that people know. It's not a word that people understand. So I like that it's a tiny bit mysterious and a little bit sort of sexy. And then I, th- I think like when I was rebranding and, and deciding to launch this into a business, you know, I was grappling with should it be, you know, should I put another word with it? I, I, I flooded with like Vida Essentius, which is like essence of life in Spanish. Yeah, but yeah. I, didn't want, I didn't want the brand to be so exotic or so sort of yeah. left of centre that people couldn't connect with it. Yeah. Um, and it was actually Carmen that sort of said to me like, would you put Australia on the end of it? And I was like, actually that sounds amazing yeah because then that way it's like it's got that sort of foreign feel but it's still it's still national it's still australian it's it's it sort of speaks that this is a brand that is yeah is is here and it's been so well received you know people seem to pronounce it quite well and and yeah um, yeah (laughs) yeah Um, well i I must admit I, i learned um the hard way with my brand so now um i'm branded under my own personal brand cam miller which is relatively simple and straightforward but initially when i launched kind of teaching in the area of business and life growth i'd brand it under a name called udicia which nobody could spell (laughs) (laughs) you know you give you give uh 20 different people a pen and they'd all spell it a different way and i just you know i realized well I, i i like the name and I like oh, what it meant to me, but it was just, it was just too hard. And so, you know, yeah. using, uh, adding something like Australia on rather than something, you know, Vita that's potentially more complicated or, or less well understood, I think is a, is a, is a really smart move. But I have learned along the way as well, that it's important that, you know, we're building a, a business brand, you're building product brands each of your products has its own brand but then very much you're building a founder and or entrepreneur brand as well and so i found that mixing mixing those because obviously you know nobody's going to promote your own business like you do and so the more you can synergize the building of those different different brands that make up your kind of what's the best word for it brand uh collective portfolio yeah <laughs> portfolio let's say the better and then in in that you've got your different taglines and stuff like that as yeah. as well so no no ex- excellent and i like how you mentioned as well the sensuality of it because i know through my work around practice and helping people build habits etc that you know, the way we build habits that is through memory building and when we, you know, if we just think of something, it's, you know, we can build a memory. If we write it down, if we start using our physical senses, we memorize it better. We build habits quicker. And the more of your senses you can evolve in that 
process or a more full sensory experience, the easier it is to remember things. And that's why, you know, these different vivid experiences we have in the past are very easy for us to remember relative to some, you know, number you get given or something yeah. like that. And so, yeah, it's, it's a really cool aspect of what you're doing in the um, experience you're creating. So in Thank terms you. of the launch strategy, how did, how did you, I guess with Carmen, how did you come up with your plan and what was your plan for, for launching the business? So that, that was very stressful, actually, because originally when I embarked on the journey, it was probably about April last year, and I had this, like, I had envisioned launching in September. For some reason, I was like, you know, that's a good amount of time. We can get everything yeah. done. And I'm sure you've experienced this in business. Sometimes you set goals and, and timeframes, and they just don't work. They don't happen. So it got I think that happens back to October, every time. All the time. <laughs> Yeah, so it eventually, you know, went out to October and then it went out to November. And it just, you know, I think sometimes just not getting caught up in, you know, not being so rigid is really important because yeah. I had moments where I was like, oh, it's, we're not going to launch on time and, you know, I need, to, I need to get this out there as soon as possible. But just sort of trusting the journey yeah. Um, yeah, and just being a bit calm in it and being a bit more, like, flexible. I think that's... Yeah really important in business is sometimes things don't work out the way you envisioned and just sort of yeah. had, you know, re recoup and re, you know, rearrange what you thought you wanted into what it's going to become. So yeah. I launched in November, which was, which was perfect. Actually, there was really good energy around that month. It was just before Christmas. So people were really engaged and it was quite a soft launch. If I'm, if I'm honest, you know, I just yep. did a, bit, a few, a bit of posting on Instagram, on Facebook, try to connect with my immediate circle and immediate followers. Yeah. Um, and the response I got was beautiful. I just remember the day Fantastic. I launched the website, every time an order came through, I just like burst into tears. I was just so humbled <laughs> that, Amazing. you know, I, yeah, I just realized that there were so many people backing me and so many people just waiting for me to launch. I'm getting all like tingles down my back now. Yeah. Yep. I was just so humbled by it. And I guess that's a really good lesson is that you don't, and sometimes you don't really, understand that there are so many people in your circle and in your corner yeah. and it doesn't have to be this grand like big bang experience to start off with it can be really soft and gentle and having yeah. and sometimes in that you actually find more gratitude and, and you're a bit more humbled by it and I think like in yeah. every like I said in every order that came through my phone was just pinging 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 and I would just like burst into these like not you know massive tears but you know just gratitude yeah. tears and I think that's really special and it just made everything worth it yeah that's that's lovely because I think you know it's important to make something of the launch but I think a lot of people new entrepreneurs in particular put too much put too much of themselves into the launch and see it as the be all and end all um, of their business but it's a it's a long journey it takes yeah you know it takes a few years at least to build a successful business. And it's really about the quality of the investments you're making, you know, over that time period, the quality of the people you're involving in the process as well. So yeah, make something of these milestones of these big events, but, you know, keep the longer term picture in mind as well. It sounds, sounds like you did a really good job of that. And so how, you know, I guess Christmas is a, is a big time of year for you. And I guess you'll find 
I guess the seasonality of what you do more as you go. But I guess Valentine's Day, which is coming up here at the moment, is a big one, but also anniversaries. Are there other events that kind of really speak to your products other than, of course, you know, the everyday nature of wanting to create space and time? Yeah, of course. I think like all those big milestones like Mother's Day, and then you've got like you could even work on Easter and 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 things like that. I think for me, it's it's about utilizing those big events, but also, yep. and I just had this thought this morning. It's quite interesting that you asked. Like, I, I'm thinking, how how do I market this product to people at a larger scale? And I think yep. yeah, it's good to utilize those moments. You know, those big events like Christmas or Mother's Day or Valentine's Day. But I think in order to have sustainability. Like it has to be a product that can be marketed at any time of the year. And, you know, recently connected with a beautiful woman over East. Um, She actually approached me and she's, you know, she's an influencer. So, and I haven't really done any of that sort of like reaching out to influencers, but she approached me and I sent her some products and she received them last night. And, you know, she said to me, how do I, how do I, she said, sorry, she said to me, you sound like you really know because I was sort of saying to her like when you when you when you have this experience and you have your bath like set intention yeah. in it and she said oh you just sound like you really know what you're talking about like do you have any tips or tools on how to like heal heartbreak yeah yeah and I was really taken back and I thought oh yeah of course like I have my tools that I dealt how I dealt with heartbreak yeah, yeah. but it and I and we were going back and forth and it was a really beautiful moment because it just made me realize that you know connect sometimes you just have to trust that the connections that you make are the correct connections but yep you know on reflection and thought in the morning like today I thought how do I expand that so now like my my next sort of little bit is about looking at how I can target each of the products quite specifically to people so maybe I talk a bit more about how you know the love and peace pack is all about heart the heart center and about heartbreak and loving oneself so I think I'm less fixated on those big milestone events and more fixated on how I can get it out there on a daily basis and and yeah. just target the right people. Does that make sense? I feel like that's quite new in my mind, so it might not be coming out very well. <laughs> no, no, I think you know the I think keyword there is 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 targeting in terms of you know often people it, it's helpful to separate you know, the business from the marketing in terms of your products, and this is often how entrepreneurs feel, can help anybody and everybody. Like everybody needs more time and space. Everybody needs personal growth, you know, make more money, all of these sorts of things. But that's a, that's a terrible marketing strategy. So if people come to you with all of these different use cases, you serve them and you serve them, you serve them really well. But in terms of your marketing, you know, it's a crowded, busy world out there. And so in terms of you know, creating content, creating advertisements, all of these sort of things, they just don't work if you're not targeted enough. There's bigger players out there with more money and better advertising, uh, et cetera. <laughs> so, yeah, niching down is, is definitely the key. And, you know, trying to understand, you know, who at the moment wants and or needs your product the most. And then creating the sort of content, sort of touch points, the sort of journey, et cetera, that can, you know, you can support them through content and then eventually support them with your products and other services and stuff as well. And I found it's really key to 
just focus on one avatar, create that kind of journey for them. I mean, in the process, you learn a lot about marketing, branding in that respect, and then you can just replicate that for different use cases in different areas. But yeah, no, I think, I think you're definitely, definitely on the, the right track there, Dom. Yeah, and I think also like on that, I feel like being authentic, really authentic in your messaging yeah. is really important. And I, yeah, I, I just feel the more authentic and real and raw that you are with what you're producing in terms yeah. of content, that's, that's what people want. And that's when it, yeah. then that's when that passion and that purpose really comes through. And yeah. I think I grapple with that a little bit because you see a lot of content on social media and yeah. I don't know about you, but I scroll past a lot of it. And, you know, or if it's too lengthy or if it's too sort of just feel scripted, I just, I'm not, yep. I'm not engaged. So for me, like I'm learning that when I'm authentic and when I'm putting something out there that really comes from a very genuine place, that's when it's well received. And then that's the, also the audience that I want to target. I, I'm not, I'm not worried about having a hundred thousand followers on Instagram yeah. because yeah. all I want is that every person that I'm connecting with, any person that takes my product and uses it, that they have a beautiful experience. So I'd rather have a smaller following, you know, visual following and more yeah. of a real sort of community and genuine follow, following behind the scenes where they actually like trust me to, to yeah. give them what they require in, in any moment of their life. Yeah. And I think, I think that's exactly right. I think you mentioned it earlier. It's about connection and, you know, it's about understanding who you want to connect with and then authentically connecting with them. And, you know, in that respect, a hundred sort of people that you connect with really deeply are going to be way more valuable than a thousand or 10,000 people that you connect with in a really light um, or superficial manner. And I think it ties to the point we were discussing a bit earlier about also the importance of you know bringing the founder and the personality and the entrepreneur to the fore because then that's a really you know if you're wanting to make this personal connection with people you've got to put your face out there you've got to show them who the face of the brand is you've got to talk about your story how Essentia's came to be and you've got to make that personal connection with people because yeah the more people know like and trust you the more you know, they'll want to embark on a, on a journey together with you. Yeah, that's beautiful, Cam. Love that. <laughs> so, Dom, <laughs> how, can, how can people um, connect with Essentias? What's the, what's the website? What sort of the social media handles are you using? Yeah, so I'm just at Essentias Australia on Facebook and um, Instagram. And then my web- website is essentiasaustralia.com.au. And I mean, people can connect with me personally as well, just on Facebook or Instagram under Dominique Arias. I'm happy to sort of take connection in any sort of, in any sort of way, but generally my main sort of, yeah, thing is, is, is through Instagram and Facebook. And I think that's probably where everyone's connecting at this point in time. So, but yeah. No, perfect. And I, I do encourage everybody to said, I've used, I've used the products. They're really wonderful. It's a really powerful practice to use them and to find that space and time in, you know, what is, you know, very busy, fast-paced and often stressful world that we live in. So I encourage you, people to, to check it out and just maybe to wrap up things then, what's the, what's the kind of look ahead for Essentias in terms of this coming year and beyond? 
I'd really love to tackle the wholesale market. I think online is beautiful, but I'd really love to get some of my products out into some stores across the state. I think that just sort of broadens your reach beyond what you can probably even imagine. So that's the next step for me, currently creating a lookbook, and then I'll go out to some businesses that resonate. I'm all about connecting with people that fit the brand and fit my vision. So that will be the next step. And then I guess like touching more on that, like where do I want to put my marketing in and, 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 you know, in order to reach the right people for the brand. And also just remaining really open to different connections because what I've found is that over the last 12 months is, you know, as soon as my purpose was quite obvious for me I've just the people that have come in my life even you Cam you know we've had some amazing conversations and I always take your feedback and a lot from what we talk about and I'm connecting with like so many beautiful people that I wouldn't have connected with before when I was so sort of closed off so being open to those connections and learning from whoever I can like and just you know from learning from other knowledge is what makes you bigger and better and brighter so those would probably be the three key things this year. Yeah, no, I love it. So expect to see Asensia's in a store near you sometime soon. <laughs> um, but no, Dom, really, crossed. really loving the journey. You're doing such an amazing job so so early in your entrepreneurial journey. So good luck with the onwards journey. It's been amazing having you on the podcast and I look forward to having you back on it soon. Thank you so much. So there you have it, guys and girls. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to the podcast and head over to cam-miller.com to sign up for my free weekly growth guide email. If you're really loving the podcast, please also share it with family and friends and leave a review on iTunes or whichever platform you might be listening on. I can't wait to share the next episode with you.